0: Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen.
1: Well, thank you for joining us here today on AOA, Agriculture of America. Always great to have you along with us as we talk about what is happening in rural America and issues impacting agriculture I'm your host Jesse Allen. Today's program brought to you by Sedex Premium Diesel. With Sedex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Well, coming up here on the show today, we have a a great one lined up for you. We're going to start a a bit of a virtual harvest tour, quote unquote, as we're going to get updates from around the country. Is Some of the early harvest results are starting to trickle their way in. We're going to start in the southeast, as many of the southern states have been going for a few weeks now. We're going to talk with Leslie Lloyd, AgriGold agronomist, coming up here in segment two today. In segment three, we're going to get an update on everything that is happening in Washington, D.C. We'll be joined by Bill Hoagland from the Bipartisan Policy Center. That is coming up here at the bottom of the hour. We'll also take a look at some news headlines coming up here on the show as well here today. So a lot to get to, a lot of exciting things, and we're looking forward to it here on AOA Today. Joining us as well here this morning, uh, we're working on getting him connected. Tanner Beamer with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. We're going to get him pulled in here in just a moment as uh, we're going to get an update from him uh, on the appropriations uh, battles going on in Washington, D.C., and some other topics as well. And it looks like we do have him connected with us. Joining us now on AOA, he is the Senior Director for Government Affairs with the National Cannabis Beef Association, Tanner Beamer. Tanner, it's good to catch up with you, my friend. How are you?
2: I'm doing well, Jesse. How are you? Sorry are I was a little bit late. <laughs>
1: Ah, no. Hey, you know what? Technical uh, technical connections and stuff. You know what? You, you weren't too late, so you, you just got us here right after the open of the show, so it all works out. I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us here today on AOA, and as I was just kind of mentioning the appropriations fight uh, going on in D.C., this topic of uh, government shutdown kind of looming in front of us. Get us up to speed. What is the latest you're hearing here as of today?
2: So there's there's a lot to update people on in the appropriation space. So I'll, I'll just kind of take it in, in three tranches, because that's kind of what we are watching from where we sit in D.C. this week. On the one hand, you know, we are careening towards what is likely going to be a government shutdown uh, on Saturday. Uh, the, the House and the Senate are miles apart from each other in terms of uh full-on appropriations for the full funding of the federal government, and they're even pretty far apart on where they want to see a a short-term stopgap funding bill. Um, I don't think that's any surprise to anyone, so it does look like the government will be shutting down. Now, what we are trying to ascertain at this very moment in time is what that shutdown means for cattle producers out in the country. Uh, during the 2013 government shutdown we saw uh, the administration at that time inflict what we are kind of calling the the maximum pain doctrine uh, which meant that they they furloughed uh, as many employees and shut down as many programs uh, as as they needed to in order to make the American people feel the shutdown uh, mm-hmm. in that partisan standoff in 2013. In 2018, it was a little bit different. You know, they they really pulled a lot of strings to try and make sure that they were keeping critical services delivered to rural America. Um, All indications, and this is probably not going to surprise your listeners, uh, based on the political environment in Washington, D.C., all indications are that this is going to be one of those maximum pain shutdowns. Uh, Mm -hmm. Secretary Vilsack basically said as much they're anticipating furloughing 50,000 USDA employees Uh, as part of this potential government shutdown. So uh, that's on our radar. At the same time, the Senate is trying to clear their, uh, a, a mini bus appropriations bill, which does include the agriculture FDA funding mechanism. And the house last night, began consideration of their version of a fiscal year 2024 agriculture appropriations bill. Uh, And we have been very focused on the House of Representatives just because of some of the harmful amendments that have been brought up. Uh, They are going to be voting this afternoon and some of those amendments include animal rights activist backed attempts to attack the checkoff programs, Mm -hmm. not just for beef, but for all commodities, uh, as well as an amendment from Congresswoman Harriet Hegeman to uh, take the industry back in time uh, in terms of uh, uh, achieving a nationally significant animal disease traceability program. So sorry to rant at you, Jesse, but there's just <laughs> a lot going on.
1: <laughs> there is a lot going on. Well, and you brought up the uh, anti-checkoff amendment, too, uh, from uh, Victoria Sparts uh, of Indiana. And I know just yesterday, uh, the NCBA, along with uh, it was 130 ag and forester groups overall, voicing their opposition to this. I know a letter was sent uh, to Many of the, the folks uh, on the House, Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, House Minority Leader, Hakeem Jeffries, et cetera. I, you know, can you expand upon that anti-checkoff amendment a little bit more? Because I know this is uh, very concerning for a lot of folks, Tanner.
2: Yeah, so this amendment is uh, part of a larger strategy by radical animal rights activists, their allies in Congress, and some of these non-governmental organizations um, that are, are really shell groups posing as farmers for these animal rights groups. Um, and and they, they oppose the consumption of, of meat. And so what better way to uh, take, a step, take a stab at meat production and the meat industry than getting rid of the most successful beef marketing tool uh, that is out there. Uh, and so they have convinced some of these far right members of the House of Representatives that the checkoff is, is an unfair tax, which is incorrect and factually inaccurate. Uh, and so uh, Victoria Sparts out of Indiana, supported by Thomas Massey out of Kentucky, uh, waged a pretty uh, animated, let's say, uh, debate in, in ranting against the checkoff with misinformation and total misunderstanding of how the programs worked. Uh, that happened at about 1.30 this morning, D.C. time. So I don't think a whole lot of people were listening. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, our message to Congress is very simple. Producers asked for these programs. As evidenced by the letter you referenced that we sent to Capitol Hill yesterday, producers overwhelmingly support these programs. And it is not the role of Congress to insert themselves into a completely producer-driven process that is designed to achieve maximum returns on their uh, products.
1: A lot of things going on, Tanner. Final thought uh, from me to you. Uh, I know we're in the 11th hour here do you sense is there any glimmer of hope that we can keep the government open at this point or to your point earlier are we just uh on a speeding train towards a shutdown here at this point
2: let me put it to you this way jesse if the government remains open past saturday i will buy you a brand new pickup
1: I don't know if I want to take that bet or not, but uh, I, I, it seems like that's that's a pretty pretty strong indication that it, it you don't feel like this government's going to stay open, and which is it's not good because the longer this goes on, as well, not only does it affect so many things but i think on the ag side as well tanner i mean there's going to be key reports we won't get etc markets are going to be impacted a lot so there's a lot tied into this
2: you're right and and your your listeners uh for their awareness ncba is putting together a, a comprehensive list of what impacts they can expect to feel in the event of a government shutdown we are still waiting on details from several federal agencies as to what their shutdown protocols are going to look like. Um, but if they stay tuned to NCBA.org, uh, we're, we're going to provide some comprehensive resources for producers to know exactly how to weather this lapse in federal funding.
1: NCBA.org for that information. We've been talking with Tanner Beamer, Senior Director of Government Affairs with the National Kettleman's Beef Association. Tanner, it's always great to have a conversation with you, my friend. Thanks for joining me, and I'll look forward to talking to you again real soon. All the best, my friend. Take care. Tanner Beamer there with the NCBA here on AOA, brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. Coming up next, we're going to turn our attention to fall harvest. We'll talk with Leslie Lloyd from AgriGold. That's on the way right after this here on AOA.
3: People look at your farm. They just see corn. But to you, it's a lot more than that. It's a college fund, your retirement plan. And it deserves trade protection that can stand up to heavy pressure threats like corn woodworm. Smart Stacks Pro with RNAI technology is trusted on over 1 million acres to protect the things that mean more. Trade up at SmartStacksPro.com. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group. All rights reserved
4: Call for Closure Protection Services now at 800 926 1701. 800 926 1701. That's 800 926 1701. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey,
5: 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, Farm Radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting.
6: Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes Purple Packaging at your grocery store and visit rfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve, together we can make a difference bite by bite.
0: Information America's Farmers and Ranchers Need, AOA, now back
1: to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA Agriculture of America here today. Brought to you by our friends at Senex, Senex Roadmaster XL, part of their premium diesel lineup, everyday products powered locally. That's Senex. Well, we are beginning our virtual harvest tour around the country as we get an idea of how things are looking as we wrap up the 2023 growing season. And we want to turn our focus to the southeast, already starting harvest activity in parts of the southeastern states. And here to give us an idea of what we're seeing, Leslie Lloyd, AgriGold agronomist, is with us. He covers the southeast. Leslie, great to have you uh, on AOA with us today. I hope you're doing well.
7: Good morning, Jesse. I'm doing great. Uh, appreciate the chance to visit with you a little bit. And yeah, the, uh, the southeast is well underway. And so I cover Florida, Georgia, and the Carolinas, a little bit of Alabama. And uh, we're well past halfway. We're, we're uh, coming into about two-thirds done. Uh, Georgia and Florida are done. So we've got a pretty good idea of what's going on out there.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about that pretty good idea of what's going on out there. And I know you are standing in a plot right now talking to us, or at least next to a plot. So you're getting uh, a lot of different plot trials out. You're also hearing a lot of the anecdotal field reports from farmers around the southeast. And so let's break this down and talk about it a little bit. I know uh, on the plot side... You mentioned to me off air, you guys have seen some great results, but we also have to step back and, and realize that on some of that plot data that it could be a little bit different than what happens in some other fields that our growers put in. Correct, Leslie?
7: Absolutely. And, and you know, plots are a wonderful thing. And I cannot thank our plot cooperators, our growers that take the time to slow up that planting time, slow up at harvest time so we can put these in so we can make our comparisons. Cannot thank them enough. Um, we probably couldn't do as much as we do for hybrid recommendation and placement if it weren't for these trials. At the same time, you're exactly right. Um, Are these the real world? Um, We try the best we can to get them in uniform ground so we can make valid comparisons. but, But we also know there's a tremendous amount of variability in fields and i would encourage farmers to to look at that themselves they've got your monitors take take strips side by side in their most uniform fields and what they'll find is that there can be five six seven eight bushels different strip to strip just natural field variation fertility uh fertility uh gradients water gradients weed patches etc so Sometimes I think we take ourselves too seriously on our plots on any one individual plot. So if if growers can just keep that in mind, don't base a lot of their decisions on one plot, Hmm. even though it might be in their backyard or it might be their trial. They have to look at the bigger picture and how that relates. So that's, that's what I would caution growers. Let's not get caught up in any one trial because one product, you know, seemed to dominate or that sort of thing. So uh, in general, um, we, we are seeing some really good yields in the Southeast for the, from the farmer's perspectives. We had really excess rain hmm. and then that's some of their other crops, but the corn loved it. Didn't have to irrigate a lot. Uh, the dry land corn is just tremendous. So our yields and our plots are in fact reflecting that. And, uh, we've, we've got some, uh, some pretty good results to show what what I get out of plots and what a girl gets out of plots are sometimes two different things. Yeah, and that, that's so. I'm standing here in a plot that we've got management studies. We've got in-furrow versus no furrow some two by two stuff, planting depths. We've got some management studies here. I I enjoy those just as much as I do the hybrid trials, and I encourage folks to look for places like that to where we can see that kind of side by side.
1: And I know you uh, you texted me some pictures, actually, some different things you've been looking at uh, across the Southeast in plots, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And just to your point about all the different things that you can get out of a plot to work off of each and every year, uh, I think it's always fascinating, Leslie, just to see everything that we can, you know, kind of look at and discover within plots and other fields, et cetera.
7: Yeah, Jesse, um, so one of the things we we started doing a couple of years ago is we started looking at what makes up flex. Flex is a very important factor to growers. They, they always ask about, you know, how does that hybrid flex? And obviously, we can look at length and girth. Those are the two things we've looked at for decades. Uh, what we're finding out is the, the most critical part of flex, in my opinion, is actually kernel depth. So, we started looking at uh, some volumetric vials to where uh, I've sent you some pictures where some of the shorter, stubbier ears uh, that not very impressive in the field can actually do quite well in yield and in volume. And we can show that in these vials. And it's very eye-opening to a grower, uh, particularly if it's him that picked the ears out of the field. And, and uh, that's we've had a lot of fun with that, having the growers pick the ears, then we compare the volumes as well as just the standard, you know, well, that's that's a great big long ear, you know, it should mm-hmm. yield well. So the kernel depth we're learning a lot about, and that has a lot to do with fungicide use, for example. Fungicides are going to allow a very deep kerneled hybrid to flex more, uh, protect that, that yield towards the end. Uh, fertility programs obviously have a lot to do with that. So what I get out of the plots is uh, learning Certainly, what hybrids float to the top, the cream will rise to the top if you look at um, 10 trials, you know, 15 trials, something like that. The cream generally rises to the top, so you, you can pick the best yielding hybrids. But learning those things like kernel flex, learning things like um, disease tolerance in any environment, that's what we tend to get out of the trials. Um, the most fun we have. I'll be honest, the most fun we have is when you have a grower, he's been growing brand X for a number of years, he's convinced it's the right brand. Put them out in a cornfield, don't tell them what they're looking at in some of these trials. A lot of fun, Jesse. Uh, (laughs) We've opened the buy because we put put them in a hybrid, do you like this? Do you not like it? Why do you not like it? You don't know what it is. You don't know if it's brand X or Y. Really, really interesting and, and a lot of fun to do out here in these plots.
1: Yeah, that's really, really cool stuff. Uh, always, always I got to have a little bit of fun out there every now and then. Leslie, uh, before we let you go, uh, two things. First, is there one area uh, over another maybe in the southeast in uh, fields that you're seeing better yields? I know you mentioned the entire southeast is looking really good. Is there one area maybe in particular that just looks extremely good here this year?
7: Well, I, oddly enough, uh, our North Alabama um, environment uh, has tended towards really high yields this year, probably the highest that we're seeing. That's, that's not our normal uh, situation with, with Northern Alabama, but just some really, really good corn yields there. Middle Tennessee is, I think, going to be good. Uh, North Carolina, for example, is all over the board we're, we have a lot of late planted corn in North Carolina. So a lot more variability here, there, but, uh, Florida and South Georgia, most of that's irrigated. Mm -hmm. I would say very typical year, not under or over, uh, very satisfactory yields. Um, so, uh, yeah, but that Northern Alabama is just, uh, really delighted us as, as to, and it's great for those growers. They got the timely rains and pulling out some good yields. So, uh, it's 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 always interesting it's
1: always interesting always interesting well and too before we let you go any reminders you want to share with growers as they're getting harvest either going or getting close to wrapping up potentially in parts of the southeast etc and thinking about you know the fall season here anything else you would want to remind folks uh, during this busy time of year leslie
7: yeah, certainly. Uh, you know, we've had some issues with uh, with grain quality in in the southeast, and some of that's uh, weather related. Uh, how the we had excess rain close to harvest. Some of it is stink bug related. Some of it is corn earworm related. So, uh, my advice would be as as you're finishing up the fields, watch for those issues. Um, we are having to scout more and more for stink bugs, for example. It's getting to be a, a fairly prevalent problem in the southeast and if you don't scout you don't know you have it so you know stink bugs have a lot to do with end of season grain quality and as do corn earworms so yeah just just look at some of those factors as we finish up uh because we don't want to get into any grain quality issues you know in next year so uh that's one we've kind of picked up on this year particularly as we get towards the end of harvest is that late season grain quality that we might can make some differences on, you know, next year with scouting.
1: Well, I do appreciate the time. Those pictures you texted me, I mentioned. We're going to get those up on our social media for AOA and our website, agricultureofamerica.com, so folks can take a look at what we were talking about. Leslie Lloyd, agricultural agronomist covering the southeast, thanks so much for the time, giving us a harvest update from the southeast. We appreciate it, and uh, enjoy uh, enjoy your time out in the plot today, and we'll talk to you again soon
7: thank you much jesse and the plot i'm in today we're going to take out in about a week so looking forward to getting those results you have a great day sir
1: fantastic we look forward to hearing the results leslie lloyd there with agrigold joining us here on aoa today up next we're going to talk about what's happening in dc with bill hoagland from the bipartisan policy center that's next on aoa brought to you by cenex maxtron synthetic diesel engine oil oil that runs smart Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of The Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for The Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss.
3: Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge. But with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top-performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com slash rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices.
8: You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. Stocks are trying to bounce this morning following yesterday's big losses as treasury yields are pulling back and the dollar continues to push higher. Some support comes from data showing that the industrial profits in China, while still negative, are starting to show some signs of improvement. The dollar index is trading higher after posting yet another fresh 10 month high earlier today. And crude oil prices are over 2% higher on tightening global supplies, while the grain and oilseed markets, they're pushing modestly higher, except for the wheats ahead of Friday's USDA reports. Now, the major industrial firm profits in China are improving. They're still down 11.7% year-on-year January through August, but that's an improvement from the negative 15.5% posted the previous month. Now, China's soybean purchases, though, have sagged for the third consecutive week last week. Market sources within China reported just eight cargoes of soybeans purchased last week. That's down from 15 cargoes the prior week and below the seasonal pace of 20 to 30 cargoes. China has nearly covered its demand for October, purchasing about 11 million metric tons for October shipment. Now, in addition to that, China has committed 4.3 million metric tons for November, nearly half the quantity needed for November shipment, of which 40% was from Brazil. Soybean coverage for December and January does remain extremely slow, with almost all of the 11 to 12 million metric tons needed for those two months remaining uncovered. Meanwhile, Brazil's ample supply has encouraged active purchases for next year's demand. China booked more than 2 million metric tons of Brazilian soybeans for February next year. That's covering 30% of demand for that month. The market is also currently focused on Brazil's early season weather developments, where it will continue to be dry as farmers wait for the start of the monsoon rains to plant. A continued delay would be expected to delay the harvest and availability of new crop supplies as well, but it's a bit too early to draw too many conclusions about that quite yet. You're listening to AOA
0: for the American Egg Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen.
1: And thanks for staying with us here on AOA, Agriculture of America. Jesse Allen back with you here in studio. Today's program brought to you by Senex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Everyday products powered locally. That's Senex. We want to turn our attention back to Washington, D.C. right now and get an update on What is going on uh, more with this government shutdown potential, the impacts to various USDA programs and other programs that impact our everyday lives. Joining us now, pleased to have him with us. He's been a guest before here on AOA. It's my first time having a conversation with Bill Hoagland, senior vice president for the bipartisan policy center. Bill, it is great to have you on the show today. I hope you're doing well.
5: Thank you, Jesse. Good to be on the show with you.
1: Well, let's, talk a little bit about this uh, government shutdown. We we spoke with Tanner Beamer from the uh, NCBA in segment one and, and touched on things a little bit. And, and his term was we're careening towards this government shutdown on Saturday. And it seems to be the big talk on Capitol Hill. It is really putting a halt to a lot of other work, like a farm bill and more. And so, what is just the the latest that you are hearing, Bill, as far as this government shutdown? Let's just start there.
5: Okay. Let's. Uh, first of all, I think the term shutdown is maybe overstated. I think it think of it more of as a brownout as opposed to a shutdown. A lot of activity will continue. Uh, this this act this shutdown that we that people use this term applies to that which uh, programs which are annually appropriated, not to get too far in the weeds. But these are mm-hmm. programs that require a, an annual appropriation from the federal government. So much of the federal government is, uh, is quite frankly, uh, about 70% of the federal government is what comes under the term mandatory funding, not discretionary. And so Things such as social security benefits will continue to be provided. Medicare benefits will be provided. Uh, Farm price supports uh, will continue to be provided. Uh, uh, Food stamps, uh, as an example, will continue to be provided out there. Uh, What it does impact is basically uh, the workers and uh, uh, the the government workers. And uh, uh, each agency in the federal government is responsible for putting out what they call a contingency plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, for these kinds of uh, uh, hiatuses. It's a te- technical term is uh, a lapse in appropriations. And uh, I looked at the latest uh, contingency plan from the Department of Agriculture, the last one they put out in 2021, and not they may have, they have not updated it recently. But uh, quite frankly, about, uh, about 70%, uh, about 198,000 employees in the Department of Agriculture across the United States, and about uh, uh, three quarters of them, 77%, will continue to work. Uh, mm-hmm. Farm service agencies, natural resource conservation, food safety inspection, um, the forest service, uh, ag marketing, APHIS, all those programs will continue to operate. It, uh, the, the, that, that People should not be uh, scared. Uh, there will be a reduction uh, in some employment, as I say, but, mm-hmm. uh, but most of the programs will continue. Back to the bigger picture. Um, Last evening, uh, the United States Senate uh, did uh, move to the consideration of what we call a short term uh, uh, funding to keep government operational. Sure. Uh, And that will, uh, they'll, they'll be taking that, they're work. They'll be working on that and uh, potentially get it done uh, by this weekend but of course then it has to go over to the house. So I think the possibility is there for a, a shutdown. Uh, but uh, I guess the good news is number one, and if there's any good news in any of this uh, our fiscal year begins on Sunday and uh, government is usually not open on Sunday anyway. So that won't be that devastating, but it'll go, it'll go into next week or so, but uh, uh, long-term uh, this is, uh, this is not good. We shouldn't be do- going through this exercise at all. But uh, unfortunately, it seems to be the way things operate these days in Washington.
1: I know USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack made a few comments this week as well, and he mentioned a lot of those same things you did. Uh, A lot of those offices and agencies will stay open. It'll be more of a a reduction in employees, maybe some of that administrative staff. It would be a little harder to get jobs done, but the job could still get done. I wonder, though, too, Bill, if, say, this shutdown goes on for a prolonged period, or I liked your term, kind of a brownout. I think that's a better way to put it. If this goes on for an extended period past this weekend, if it does, in fact, happen, you know, then we start thinking about various weekly, monthly reports that could impact agriculture. You know, I, I feel like the longer that this would go on, it could have more deep impacts than than it would if it was a short-term kind of thing.
5: Absolutely. Uh, uh, A short one uh, is manageable, but if this goes on longer than a week or two weeks, uh, then it'll become a little bit more, it'll become a lot more uh, uh, difficult. Uh, And and I think one point that you're making, Jesse, which is an important one, it's not just the uh, statistical services and that uh, Department of Act, Department of Agriculture, but it's also uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics in terms of unemployment rates, in terms of uh, uh, the consumer pricing. There are a lot of, a lot of. It. This is unfortunately the area that will be hit uh, uh, most by uh, uh, administratively uh, the uh, statistical agencies. And I know how important it is. Uh, being a farm boy from Indiana, I know how important it is to have those statistics uh, available uh, for planning purposes and going forward and so that that one does bother me and if it does go longer than two weeks you'll start to that will start to impact upon uh, um, upon uh, our uh, uh, marketing system out there I think
1: well and another thought that just popped into my head as well Bill I mean all of this is uh, with the backdrop of interest rates nearing six percent there's a lot of concerns about our economy as a whole you know if there is a, a prolonged shutdown um, I mean, I wonder what that could do to uh, our economy as a whole with with rising interest rates and inflation worries and more. I know there's, that's a big concern out there across much of the country right now as well.
5: Yes, uh, the last time we went, the longest shutdown, I've been through, unfortunately, I worked on the Hill when we went through a pretty bad uh, set of shutdowns in 1995 and 1996. The longest one, of course, was the 20, uh, back in 2018, 2019. Uh, which is, I think, 36 days or so, and that was that was a that that was a standoff with Congress over uh, essentially the funding for uh, the president. Uh, Trump had wanted the funding for the wall, and that became the uh, focal point of that shutdown. But anyway, in terms of that long shutdown, uh, it was estimated that that did uh, reduce the uh, uh, our. Uh, gross national product by, I think it was about $11 billion over that. So Mm -hmm. you're absolutely correct. I know there are estimates that uh, a week will knock a 10th of a percentage point off our growth factor. Uh, The other point you're making, Jesse, is an extremely important one uh, as it relates to, uh, uh, and this is broader than agriculture. This is, deals with uh, 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 our full faith and credit Um, Moody's Mm -hmm. put out a statement earlier this week that uh, uh, we are, Moody is the one agency that continues to rate our our bonds at AAA. Um, They kind of sent a signal this is not, uh, this is beginning to look unfortunately uh, not uh, beneficial to our uh, ability to govern, if you like, and that uh, will have an impact upon their credit rating, uh, could have an impact upon our credit rating, and therefore to your point, Jesse, it's not going to be helpful as it relates to uh, our interest rates, uh, interest rates that farmers have to deal with out there.
1: We're talking with Bill Hoagland from the Bipartisan Policy Center. Bill, uh, just a couple minutes here before we run out of time in this segment. Uh, Final thoughts from you as you you look at this whole situation and and take the thousand foot view of things. What would you say to folks listening out there and, and want them to just uh, take home and, and remember as they continue to hear all this talk
5: about what's going on in DC. That's a good question. I think my message would be, uh, what's that term? Uh, be calm. Um, d- don't uh, overreact. Mm-hmm. Uh, I personally and and uh, believe this will not be a long shutdown. Nobody mm-hmm. benefits. Uh, Republicans, Democrats, Independent. Nobody benefits uh, from, uh, politically benefits from a shutdown. Um, uh, uh, and, uh, even, even if we get through this uh, weekend and maybe into next week and, and uh, quote, the uh, shutdown is over with, uh, we're going to be faced with this into the fall. So be prepared for, uh uh, 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 this continuing into a discussion well up until the, uh, the snowflakes are flying in December before Congress, uh, Uh, ends up figuring out what it's going to do. The divided Congress, uh, uh, our polarization in this country, no surprise here coming from the Bipartisan Policy Center, is not good for governance. Um, Have faith, I still believe in our democratic process. We'll work this out. Uh, Do not get discouraged, but Mm -hmm. uh, be aware that this is a a difficult time in our political system right now um, going forward. But uh, as I say, Basic benefits are gonna continue. Medicare, social security, uh, your farm payments should continue. There should be, no, uh, should be no worry there. Wise words, things to
1: take heed and consider. And of course, uh, we hope we can get through a, a government shutdown or avoid it here, maybe at the 11th hour, potentially. We do appreciate the time. You can find more information as well about the Bipartisan Policy Center online, bipartisanpolicy.org. We've been talking with their senior vice president, Bill Hoagland. Bill, thanks for the time here on AOA today, and we will look forward to having you back on the show again real soon.
5: Thank you for having me.
1: And that is, again, Bill Hoagland with Bipartisan Policy Center joining us here today on AOA. Coming up next, we are going to take a look at a few news headlines before we run out of time here on AOA, brought to you by Senex Maxtron, Synthetic, Diesel, Engine, Oil, and oil that doesn't mess around. We'll talk more here on AOA, coming up right after this.
9: What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease.
1: join us every Tuesday for Around the Table brought to you by CHS as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. Join us Around the Table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more.
11: Spot Less. Introducing the cleanup for Tar Spot, Grey Leaf Spot, Southern Rust, and more. Novel Next Generation at Astrio Fungicide. Broadens your spectrum and strengthens your residual when it comes to foliar disease control in Corn. Visit your FMC retailer or at astrio.ag.fmc.com to clean up this season. Follow 2WE for Tar Spot Management in Corn. Valid until 131-28. Always read and follow all label directions. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to patriotic hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. <hymne>
0: Keeping America's farmers and
1: ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA here today, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Find your nearest Cenex location online at cenex.com. Well, let's take a look at a few news headlines here on the show before we wrap it up today. And of course, the potential of a government shutdown looming in front of us and the original farm bill deadline is nearing, although I think it's no secret that we all knew that a September 30th farm bill was probably not going to happen. Well, the end of September marks those two important deadlines for Congress, the deadline to pass a new farm bill and the deadline to fund the federal government. American Farm Bureau Federation Executive Vice President Joe B. Young says farmers and ranchers will immediately notice the impact of a potential government shutdown.
12: When farmers and ranchers look at it, they're going to think about USDA and, and USDA programs. And so that could be everything from your farmer-facing programs like your FSA offices and, and NRCS offices and places where there might be furloughed employees. And then there are certain entire programs that have to cease operations during the course of a government shutdown. Loan programs and some other Things that can be affected.
1: Young says consumers will notice a few changes as well should a shutdown occur.
12: There's some things that are exempted from a government shutdown, protection of property, protection of human life. Some of the food safety inspections and other things might fall into those categories. But the USDA programs certainly are one of those areas that can have complications and can be hindered by a government shutdown. Agencies that do nutrition programs and other things are affected during a government shutdown as well.
1: While a government shutdown would impact farmers and consumers more quickly, it's important for Congress to remember that farm bill expiration would have implications as well.
12: That's a very complex picture, of course. The government shutdown clearly is a much more immediate impact. A uh, Farm bill expiration, a little bit more flexibility there because the programs that are under the farm bill across many agencies have a variety of expiration dates, but none of this is ideal. They're all certainly things that you don't want to see, and so that's why it's important to both resolve the government funding debate because of its immediate effects, but also quickly move on to consideration of a farm bill and avoid any of the negative effects that might come from that.
1: That's American Farm Bill Federation Executive Vice President, president joe b young well usda secretary tom vilsack says a government shutdown would be incredibly disruptive to millions of americans including farmers usda staff and needy families snap food stamp benefits would stop after a month the WIC nutrition program the women infants and children program would end immediately and for farmers
3: now is a time when farmers are harvesting their crops and they're seeking marketing loans Uh, which allow them and assist them in uh, ensuring that they get a decent price for their crop. When we have a shutdown, uh, Farm Service Agency offices in virtually every county of this country shut down, and those loans are, are not available.
1: Secretary Vilsack says other USDA agencies are also in every county.
3: It's rural development offices, it's NRCS uh, conservation uh, employees, it's some of the Forest Service employees, uh, it's uh, a a lot of the researchers and people who work uh, for the Agricultural Research Service, ARS.
1: And administrative staff, without which Vilsack says anyone still working can't get their job done. Meantime, Texas A&M Extension economist Joe Outlaw told a Farm Foundation Zoom panel discussion things are a mess for doing a farm bill this year.
7: If there is compromise, you might lose the Speaker of the House. If there is compromise, there are going to be people who are going to be unhappy. The debt ceiling deal passed earlier this year put everything behind the eight ball in terms of getting the farm bill done. When I saw the, the outcome of the debt ceiling, I said uh, I didn't think we'll get a farm bill for a couple of years. I still still stand by that.
1: Adding the appropriation standoff of the House threatening a government shutdown isn't helping a farm bill either. Again, we're going to continue to watch the latest that is coming out of D.C. and Capitol Hill and keep you up to speed here on AOA. We're also watching what's going on when it comes to the energy market. How serious is Russia's fuel export ban and who will be hit, according to a recent report from Reuters, Russia has said this week uh, that it had temporarily banned gasoline and diesel exports to all but four ex-Soviet states in response to domestic shortages, a move that will disrupt global trade that has already had to adjust to Western sanctions on Russian fuel exports. Russia eased some of the restrictions here as uh, we went through the week, saying it would allow the export of bunkering fuel for some vessels and diesel with high sulfur content. But analysts say importers will still have to find alternative sellers until Russia can replenish its own stocks. Now, Traders said the fuel market in Russia, one of the world's biggest oil producers, was hit by a combination of factors including maintenance at oil refineries, bottlenecks on railways, and the weakness of the ruble, which incentivizes fuel exports. Russia tried to tackle the diesel and gasoline shortages in recent months, but turned export curbs to prevent a fuel crisis, which could be awkward for the Kremlin as a presidential election looms in March. Now, the diesel ban is going to have the biggest impact because Russia is the world's top seaborne exporter of the fuel just ahead of the United States. It shipped an average of 1.07 million barrels per day of diesel from the start of the year to September 25th, accounting for more than 13.1% of the total seaborne diesel trade. That's according to oil analytics firm Vortexup. It is a much less significant gasoline exporter, shipping an average of 110,000 barrels per day in the year to date, up to September 25th, according to Vortexup. Russia said exports would resume once it had stabilized its domestic market, but did not give a Precise timeline. Expectations for the length of the ban vary. JP Morgan said it could last a couple of weeks until harvest season concludes in October, while FGE Energy said replenishing Russia's gasoline stocks could take up to two months. The ban on diesel could last up to two weeks before Russia replenishes its stocks and resumes exports. Now, after the European Union banned Russian fuel imports over Moscow's invasion of Ukraine, Russia diverted Europe bound exports of diesel and other fuels to Brazil turkey several north and west african countries and gulf states in the middle east gulf states which have their own major refineries re-export the fuel the russian ban will change those flows again diesel supplies from russian ports to brazil reached about four million metric tons here to in the year to date up to september 25th compared with 74,000 tons in all of last year lseg data showed that the russian fuel replaced brazil's imports of diesel from the united states where will the alternative supplies come from Uh, Many African states are expected to turn to supplies of gas, oil, and diesel shipped from the Middle East, India, and Turkey. Latin American importers are likely to turn to the U.S. Gulf Coast and the Middle East as well, according to traders. Uh, So uh, a lot going on with the situation. It'll be interesting to see how long the bans do in fact uh, stay in place for Russian gas and diesel exports. Well, that's all the time we have here today for AOA brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Everyday products powered locally. That's Senex. Have a great rest of your day. I'm Jesse Allen. Thanks for listening to AOA Agriculture of America.
3: When people look at your farm, they just see corn. But to you, it's a lot more than that. It's a college fund. Your retirement plan. And it deserves trade protection that can stand up to heavy pressure threats like corn woodworm. Smart Stacks Pro with RNAi technology is trusted on over 1 million acres to protect the things that mean more. Trade up at smartstackspro.com. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group, all rights reserved.
10: Sports allow us to play, learn, and grow. But there's something more important than victory. At the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, we believe every athlete deserves to be safe, safe from abuse and misconduct on and off the field. We equip athletes, parents, coaches, and others with the right education to recognize, prevent, and respond to harmful behavior. Join the movement to champion respect and end abuse at uscenterforsafesport.org.
2: You are not your diagnosis.
0: A medical chart
2: is not your identity
10: and vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage.
2: An advocate for hope.
10: You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive
9: the research for the cures we are finding.
2: We're fighting macular degeneration